when you start a campaign and you join your characters together, it takes a while for the group to kind of gel and for you to feel like you're playing your character in a world, you know, setting, you know, maybe it takes four or five sessions before you're really comfortable. I think doing it this way, we had the first session where we talked about the setting and what we might want to do. And then we had two weeks to come up with character ideas and discuss them back and forth and then make the character go through the character creation process. By the time we got to the first session, it felt more like we were, you know, three or four sessions in. Jay's gonna bring me back. Give me a plus one to attack. Oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice. Whoa, oh, 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 I think I need some good advice. I need a roleplay rescue, oh yeah. I need a roleplay rescue, oh yeah, oh yeah. Hello rescuers, my name's Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue. Very special episode for you today, basically a chat with my gaming group. I've been talking for a very long while now about bringing the rules behind the screen about having the GM roll all the dice. And inspired by the work of Daniel Jones and many, many conversations with him, plus thinking about Eisen's Vow and the very early days of role-playing games pre-Dungeons & Dragons, the Arnesonian experience of the Twin Cities, I've been wanting for a very, very long while to kind of give this entire different playstyle a bit of a go. And we started doing that just a little bit before Christmas last year in 2021. What I've got today is session six conversation, or at least part of the conversation had with my three players, which is Evil Jeff from the Minions Amusing podcast, the Reverend Derek and Bob, who's also known as Amendit Man on the Discord and around the web. And what I wanted to do is just get them to tell you how it has been really. We've had a conversation about what it's like to be a player under those conditions and well I think you'll find it interesting. So thank you for joining me. Thanks in advance again to those three guys because without them obviously both the experiment in gaming wouldn't have happened but also you wouldn't be able to hear their feedback and yes it is early days for us and we are kind of still finding our way but it's been a very positive experience. I am hugely grateful to those three guys. Thank you so much. And, well, I'll let you hear what they've got to say. All right, guys, so thanks for coming and um, going to have a chat about the Northern Isles game, which we've been running for... This is our sixth session, I think. Um, But so people understand that's four play sessions of two hours, about eight hours game time. We had a setup session um, about two hours and then we're having a review session today. Um, And the goal today really was to sort of talk a little bit about the experience that we've been having as players. Um, And for me as GM to have uh, an opportunity to sort of talk through what we might do to tweak and improve what we're doing. So, um, I thought I might ask if Jeff would be up for giving us a brief synopsis of the narrative so far from our game 
in the Northern Isles. Right. So we started off, it was a nighttime watch. Uh, as one of the characters, Kellen, is getting ready to head on for her turn on the wall, uh, it is determined that there is a man down uh, from some sort of uh, attack. At the same time, a fire is smell, and the smell of fire occurs. Uh, one of the other characters is uh, investigating that as they go along. Uh, turns out we had been invaded, <laughs> and uh, we had to quickly take down those responsible for uh, leading an attack. And then as we were uh, bandaging up one of our own that decided to help defend and didn't realize that his abs of steel weren't quite as much as that from the knife. Uh, waiting for a uh, the uh, local priest to show up. When a comment was made that take an awful long time, uh, one of the characters then runs off to the church, finds out that there's another group of these invaders there uh unfortunately we were not able to drive them off because they use some sort of uh, wicked magic to allow themselves to escape and then the group was then tasked with tracking these invaders down very early as dawn breaks the next morning we travel off uh, one of the characters not available probably still healing up from his uh small little scratch to his stomach goes into uh we track back to the river find a boat um become aware of more than one group of invaders and then investigate that try to engage one they ran off like cowards uh went to the ruined village that's across from the fort and scouted it out uh, and we're very lucky to do so as there was another group of invaders there and we were tracked them back. Uh, our third member showed up after a few moments, uh, after we had signaled the fort where we were going, went to following them, tracking them down, came to a ravine, started the process of crossing and during an attack, one of the members majorly injured gets back across um and we were able to successfully drive them away with luckily a few plays well play shots and a bit of magic on our side that helped turn the tables and right now we are trying to make sure that we don't have to roll a body off a cliff or something and head back home sounds about right um so thanks jeff that's great um anything anyone wanted to add there Derek or bob it's more than a scratch that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> the the invaders um, seem to have almost ritually sacrificed Father Paul on the altar of his church. Mm -hmm. That's why he didn't show up to the healing hall. I think that might come in, be important down the road. <laughs> you think? Okay. Um, so thank you. Um, so we've been doing this thing where um, I pulled all of the game rules behind the GM screen, so to speak, although we're playing online using Zoom. Um, we've been playing Theatre of the Mind, so it's been purely dialogue, um, no maps, no, you know, well, at least on your side of things. Um, 
and we um, create characters. You know, we rolled you up uh, characters, um, sort of individually. So, yeah, does anyone want to take us, take us through like the process from your perspective of how we kind of get the game going and what that felt like? Uh, and you know, I guess what we'll do is sort of like chip in comments and thoughts along the way. Really, go on, Bob. The, the character creation process was uh, probably the one one of the best ones that I've been through. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't it? Did not feel like the the traveler one it was it was more uh suited to the uh basically the setting that the game's going to be in mm -hmm. um started just dialogue back and forth asking questions about general uh feeling what kind of character i might want to run um and then we went through a, a process where you had some events and and Things where I could make choices at different age brackets mm -hmm. from very young, you know, then two or three different age brackets up to adulthood mm -hmm. that introduce us both to the character. Yeah. And uh, from my perspective, um, one of the most interesting things there was kind of for throwing little moral dilemmas in your path, really, asking you like how you wanted to handle particular situations. How did that feel? I liked it. I I think we should always make characters that way. <laughs> well, certainly my intention to, you know, should we say, um, develop that as a as a process forward. Yeah, the system independent would be really cool. So you could use it for pretty much anything. Yeah, and I think that there's no need for there to be um, sort of, you know, system-specific stuff at all. It's, you know, if you're doing a fantasy game, it's... There's probably plenty of scenarios that can be thought up and then thrown in front of the players on a sort of, you know, either choice basis or a pretty ran much a random basis. Um, Jeff, what was your experience? I had a good experience. The difference is that I had already had a sort of an outline, mm. and then you and I didn't communicate effectively, listen effectively, <laughs> and I didn't realize we were doing this life path part mm. of it. So I went and said, okay, and I created a, you know, in a little bit more detailed background mm. and then we get into it, it's like oh wait a minute now i've got to do this and i had to kind of switch gears and mentally change the mm. background which is not say that it was not able to be done but you know putting into perspective all this additional stuff and then still trying to you know mm. get the basic character in line with that which i think we, we were successfully able to do mm. the additional roles and in fact i think that was one of the things that we we discovered as we were going through that some very lucky roles that kind of kept pushing the character in the direction i was already going mm. just to add more flavor to it so you know that i think that's just you kind of have to let a, a player really needs to know how they're creating the character mm. i mean is it totally their end is it gm led mm. you know how much of a marrying process is there with that because i could guarantee there would be some people out there that would have this background and then to turn around and start rolling some of this random stuff they would just be nope nope that's not it i'm out mm. and they probably wouldn't like it yeah but yeah it was uh definitely detailed enough and good for us you know even the little moral things mm. 
I think it's like one of those things. I mean, obviously, as I've always said, you know, this is going to be a, a style of play that is going to appeal to a relatively small group of people, I suspect. But I still feel it's probably a larger group of people than, you know, people might find they would enjoy it when they might not necessarily expect to. Um, and you've got to bear in mind as well is that we've been experimenting the whole thing from my point of view. So, I mean, what you were talking about there, Jeff, was that I decided to start off with a dialogue with between, you know, come up with a bit of an idea and we'll have a dialogue. And then with the experience I'd had with Bob, because Bob went first um, and using a little bit of a system that I sort of stole from somewhere else, um, you know, that worked really, really well. So I thought, okay, well, we'll replicate that. But of course, you know, by then you'd already sort of written your bit. So it's this blending process that was actually really rich from my point of view. Um it's quite fun. I think Kellen is a much richer character for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely much, much more richer in there, and gives you a lot more to sink your teeth into. And I think that background also gives the DM the hook that they or any other hooks that they want to use. Like, yeah, we'll just pull this out of your past and mm. use it, or see if we can steer you down one direction or not. Mm, absolutely I, I thought the the character creation process um kind of followed the i mean i had like a one paragraph outline real simple mm. outline of what i thought character i'd want to play was and there was a lot of things that reinforced that basic idea but there were quite a few surprises along the way too mm. and made the character you know better for role playing from that regard i had five paragraphs at least <laughs> <laughs> i mean bob can you give an example of something there that kind of for you was pretty rich from doing this taking this approach so you have um you know the huntsman's son don't you yes and and you know i discovered who my parents were i discovered who my siblings were um some you know i, I have history with those characters because of the process that we went through with different events and different choices that had to be made and then there's four or five individuals that live in the in the fort there mm -hmm. that i have a background with at this point that you know can be drawn on for the game if we do serious time playing in the fort or close around the fort mm some of whom are friends and some of whom are enemies and some of whom I'm just neutral with, hmm. which if I, I just sat down and wrote a back that, uh, you know, a backstory, I wouldn't have had much of that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course we've put flesh on the bones of those NPCs sort of between us as well. So that's been kind of interesting. Derek, what was your experience? Oh, I had a ball. I, um, drew heavily on what knowledge I have of the late Roman Empire, since that's roughly the setting you were giving us mm. um, for putting my character together. So he is totally uh, outside the normal of civilization as it would be understood. Mm. And uh, without a patron and being in the arts, he's going to struggle if he doesn't get one soon because mm. he needs the money. So, yeah, he may be a little precious about getting wounded, but when your body is your, uh, is your income, then you have to be careful. <laughs> yeah so for those obviously listeners um sylvanas derek's playing sylvanas who's a minstrel um just playing kellen who's a sort of a auxiliary soldier i guess is the way we've looked at it yeah yeah 
Um, and Bob's playing Ocean, who's the, as I said, the Huntsman's son. Um, so very disparate characters as well. So, um, and for my part, what it was interesting is I, I did the, we did the characters. Um, we had a very thin outline. You know, the initial session we decided we wanted to go Iron Age. We decided to sort of pick up on a sort of Romanesque theme. Decided I wanted to do a very Britannic kind of feeling of the Isles. Uh, and much beyond that, we we kind of left it loose. So the characters are created, and then from that. Um, I was able to start populating you know, North Point, which is the fort. Um, so it's been a very collaborative process in that regard. Um, probably one of the most, um, yeah, most collaborative kind of back and forth that I've had with a group of players in a long time. Um, so it's good. All right, and so getting into play, what I wanted to talk about more than anything was like getting your perspective on it because I'm having a completely different experience to you. I'm, you know, I've all the rules are with me in terms of that, and all the die rolls are in my hands. Uh, you know, so so listeners know, you know, nobody is rolling dice apart from me. Um, they don't even know what game system they're playing, and I have the character sheets. So um, how's that been, really? Anyone want to kick us off? I felt like it's played out a lot more narratively than uh, otherwise. Even the uh, even the combat it plays mm. out more narratively than uh, you know strictly tactical. Okay, give us an example of that. I mean, we've had a couple of punch ups, haven't we? So, well, we haven't. It's been description instead of uh, mechanics. Mm. You know, generally. Generally, in a lot of a lot of games, you get into combat and it becomes a much more mechanical or or tactical situation. Mm. And without having any of the rules and no character sheet to look at, just a general outline of of you know your experiences and what you might be good at and what you're kind of sort of trained at. Mm. Uh, it's just describe what you want to do and uh, you you know you adjudicate it mm. and. Uh, it's been, it's been, uh, I think, a, a deeper uh, experience than just, uh, you know, a tactical war game kind of feel. Mm. What, what really stood out to me as well as after that first session we played was the fact that you were so keen to come back to the table as well. Um, you know, and I, I guess that for me it's been great because I know you've had some time away from the table and you've been, you know, fiddling around with a few things. You've been playing some fantasy trip and what have you. And, bit of gurps here and there and what have you but i don't know i i detected there was a bit of energy that came out of that first session is that is that fair kind of comment yes absolutely okay derek has it been for you yeah it's it's been fun for me obviously i had a little more detail for um on my sheets because i needed to know uh the song spells i was able to access but other than that i've had very mm -hmm. little to go with so it's maybe focus more on the character that was developed in our initial session mm. and how would that character react. And knowing that I'm not combat-oriented means I've had to make alternative choices that I might not otherwise have made mm. if I had a stat in front of me and a weapon or two at my, on my sheet saying I can do X. Mm. So I've been forced to rethink how my character would interact, what it should do and what it shouldn't do. And uh, even the fun of plucking up the courage to sing with a spear at my throat last session was a lot of fun <laughs> yeah and, and an effective scene as well it's good um okay jeff i think the fact that i've got the more combat oriented character has been a bit more challenging because i want to be able to be effective mm. but you know 
realize real quick that yeah, you got to be very descriptive, but then knowing what different um, things that I, you know, my character can do, what Kellen can do, um, and I was trying to pull up a example of that as I was looking at, it, like you know, didn't know exactly what body parry was at the very mm -hmm. beginning, mm -hmm. you know, so not knowing how that would work versus just a weapon parry or so forth so mm -hmm. they're you know not knowing the mechanics and being combat oriented gets to be a little bit more challenging because mm -hmm. i can definitely be descriptive but trying to describe it and also not knowing exactly well how many actions can you take in your character's turn mm -hmm. you know if you're going you know second by second or if you describe something how many seconds is that Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's where you and I had to, I guess, during that first little dust up, um, <laughs> kind of quickly figure out, it's like, oh, okay, I can only do X amount, mm -hmm. or if I do this, it's going to take X amount of time and kind of get a feeling for that. So if I wanted to be able to react much more quickly, uh, be faster on the draw, be short, quick little things that you could mm -hmm. then interpret for me to do and so forth. Yeah, it's been very important to break things um, down into you know the in, the actual actions you want to take. And for me, it's really important to know not just what you're doing, but how you're doing it. And at times, be really clear about your intent. Um, so, for example, when you're going to go and make a strike, it's really important for me to know what body area you're going for, how you're making the strike. That has a massive mechanical impact in with the game that we're using, which, of course, you don't know. But also what it does is it gives this richness of for my education. It means I can, you know, make decisions that are very specific to the situation. I also know, like, if you're fighting with a spear, I think with Kellen can fight, make an attack, and kind of recover from that in about three seconds or so. Um you know, and it's it was really important for us to get that sorted out, <laughs> you know, in the first session. Uh, so I think there was a definitely an adjustment period. But if you think back to our last session where we were having that fight across the bridge, uh, you know, the rope bridge and the arrows flying around and all sorts of going back, by that point it felt to me like you got a handle on it. Um, is that fair? Oh yeah, yeah, I had a handle on it. I mean, I think I had a handle on it by the time we got at the end of the first combat. Mm. You know, knowing what was going on. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it, I think it was at that point, I think I mentioned in our sort of our review at the end of the game mm. that I need to realize how much more descriptive or how much description I need to put in. So there's no misinterpretation of what I wanted to do. Cause I think that occurred a couple of times of, mm. oh, I, I'm trying to do this and either you miss that thing or as you're writing something down, thinking mm. on it. You, you don't quite catch it or I say it my way and mm. that's a totally different way for you to interpret it yeah. you know Queen's English and all <laughs> okay well yeah I mean it's the thing of um the the, the challenge for me on the uh, this side is I'm and obviously I've got three players I mean um I think that's been uh enough frankly um you know to to, to manage three people um and sort of be able to juggle all of the things going on um but that being said I, I will say this is i was amazingly surprised at how much easier it, that it was than i thought it was going to be if that makes sense um i thought that having everything behind the screen would be super super hard i'm playing an incredibly crunchy game deliberately because i wanted to find out if it's doable and um yeah it is 
That's what I'm going to say. Um, I, I think if we had five or six players at the table, this could be uh, a nightmare for you because just, just physically keeping five or six character sheets in front of you and being able to look at mm. them <laughs> could be a problem. Yeah, although I'm learning some tricks with that as well um, because obviously the way in which we typically run role-playing games where you know players have their own character sheet, I'm starting to rethink, like, what actually does do I need? What information do I need? What I need is a sheet with the information about three characters on it not three separate sheets you know and it's this kind of um learning that is really key i think that we as we sort of figure it out how we work out how to how to move forward um yeah all good okay thank you so is it as it felt i mean obviously it's different but you know what i'm interested in here is you know is this something we would recommend if so why if not why um so any thoughts on that i definitely recommend it but i don't think it's for everyone Mm-hmm. I, I think you have to go into this with a with the a mindset that okay things may or may not work the way you intend them to the first time you know because mm-hmm. yeah there's you know there's a real level of interaction back and forth between the game master and the player that you know like Jeff said the first session it was a little more uh, broken it was a little more you know feeling out what's going to happen and how it's going to work and and Mm. that kind of stuff but by the third session um i wasn't really thinking about that anymore at all i was just thinking about the story and you know where where it's going next what i'm doing now and what what i want to do next Mm. kind of forgotten about you know mechanics of play and and character sheets you know like ocean he's very physical so I don't think about what can I do. I just say what I'm going to do, and if I fail, I fail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm any good at it or not. I just, I just go do it. Hey, I'm 20 years old, and you know, <laughs> gonna gonna try stuff. Yeah, I was struck by the comment Jeff made earlier about like you know not knowing initially what you can do, and then I think um, what I've noticed is the style of players become well. We're just going to try what makes sense, or we're going to try what you know feels right or seems right, or like an, an approach, and see <laughs> if it works. Which, of course, is is much more sort of to the roots of that um, free form gaming that we hear described from the very very early days. You know, the pre D and D days. Really, um, it felt more like that to me. But I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? The way you know, and and not the. Discount, but I think this is where English fails us. Uh, as Bob was saying, you know, it's not for everyone. I think that it's actually this style of game is for a lot more people than what that term brings up. Mm. I think more people would be willing to do that. It's just they have to realize they want to be narrative. And I think more of the just to be, you know, ageist about it, maybe the older crowd. Would mm-hmm. definitely be for that. Maybe not so much the younger ones, unless they are somebody that would be definitely, you know, like to be descriptive. Mm-hmm. And I could hear, you know, you know, one of my minions, one of the girls, she definitely would like it. The other one, eh, mm-hmm. that definitely this style of game would not be for her. Mm-hmm. But I think it's easy enough to get into once you understand how you're playing. Because it's mm. not that far removed from how we did make believe when we were young, you know, mm. four, five, six. 
Yeah, just with a actually solid system underneath it. Um, you know, yeah. like it's actually supporting the decisions that are made rather than it being, you know, player fiat. <laughs> Gids. Uh, Derek, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of would, um, echo what's been said. A lot more people should try this, um, even if they find they don't like it, because I was reminded, uh, leaving aside the experience I bring to the table of role-playing of all the early days of, of the gaming, where you hadn't got a clue what the stats meant. So you mm. just said, I would like to try X, mm. and you went for it, and you rolled your die, and you either did it or you didn't. Mm. But you weren't faced. You were just saying, um, I have no idea what this stat means, so <laughs> let's try it and see what I can do. Mm. And it sort of really encourages that type of play of, well, I haven't got any stats to work with, so I'm going to go out there and do something. Mm. <laughs> how, how did it feel without dice, guys? I mean, the biggest criticism I get, or the biggest challenge I've had from you know people who've I've talked to about this is, but I want to roll my dice. <laughs> At first, it was very strange, but now it feels like it's more satisfying that I'm not rolling the dice. I mean, I describe what my character character's going to do and what actions mm. he's going to take and then i get the satisfaction of you describing back what the results are mm. and the interaction between my character and whatever environment or foe that we're mm. dealing with okay i don't know i think people rolling dice or claiming they have to roll their own dice uh, i think over half of that is they don't trust the dm to be impartial yes i, I think that's it you know, you'd rather have your fate in your hands, but I think that's a cop-out as well. Mm -hmm. But it's also by having players roll the dice, you reduce the amount of load that the DM has to do. Mm -hmm. So that, that helps out the DM. So, you know, which way are you actually going with it? And I, could, and I think that's going back to reading, you know, the Peterson book, The uh, Elusive Shift. Yeah. And his description of the Bronstein games and things like that, where or Arnson games, where he'd tell him, "Hey, go ahead and roll," and then he'd look at the amount and then he'd mm -hmm. interpret it. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes he would do it and sometimes they do it. So I mean, I could see it being both ways, but yeah, uh, you know, if you have to have dice to play a game, if you have to have it, then I think you're just you you're not secure enough in allowing your words to dictate the actions that you want and to be adjudicated properly. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely trust in the DM. Definitely. Yeah, there is an issue of trust, but I also think it's an issue of what you're used to. Doing this has encouraged me to do a bit more solo using the Game Master emulator from uh, Mythic mm -hmm. because the the in the card deck in particular, the need to roll dice is out of it. Mm. You, you, ask, you pose a positive negative question, mm. go with it, and then interpret what the card says. So yeah. it's, it's very, very similar to that, where you're just saying, this is what I'd like to do. You've told me this has happened. Mm. Great. And I build on that. I think that going back to the first combat, when I thought, well, I'm an acrobat. I'm not someone who's going to be going in there and uh, swinging a sword or a dagger or punching. So I'll try and take the legs out from under the opponent. Mm. And that's what happened. Yeah, I had no idea how to adjudicate that but we've we fiddled it through didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, i i gotta i gotta ask in response on that you know when you're using that the uh, gm emulator there do you mm -hmm. find yourself wording questions in such a way that if the outcome is negative it doesn't seem like it's bad to your character or is it just you end up just making a 
something that it could be equally good, equally bad, depending upon how the answer comes up. Well, Chay's the expert on it because he's played it more. But for me, the, the, the purpose of the game is you do what is the next logical thing. So the Cthulhu game I was doing last week, um, where I effectively um, was trying to open a door, I asked the question, does the door open? Answer, no. Oh, okay. So how do I get around this? What, what's going to go on next? Hmm. And, you know, then I had to try and, and it was, I said, NPC positive. Well, the NPC is a ghost the only one I've got written down at the minute. So my reasoning then was ghost manages to lock door. Mm -hmm. So you, you then have to say, you just go with what the cards say and what is the most logical outcome from what the cards are said. Yeah. And I guess like to um, build on that, I mean, you know what I'm doing with this game, when I, you say what you want to do, I'm rolling dice based on the abilities and you know, skills and other stuff from your character sheet, which you aren't, you don't know the specifics of but what you're getting is you know the same kind of response aren't you yeah this, that's what happens this is what happens you know and i have to again instead of like derek describing there having to figure out what the result means you've got me doing that and then feeding that back to you so i guess experientially it's probably like i hadn't considered it derek but yeah it's very probably very similar um, mm. It's just that you cut out the middleman um, when you've got the GM. Uh, a live GM means you don't have to do the thinking. So you can be, you can, well, I'm hoping you can remain in character more. Yeah. Um, Easily. Which I guess is the next, yeah, that's the next point, isn't it? Are you all feeling like increasingly, you know, you're in character? Because um, this is frame shifting thing. I mean, there's at least three different frames that we, we use when we're role playing. You've got the character, the player, being a player, you know, the, the thoughts that you have as a player, you've got the character being in role, and then you've got the mechanical stuff as well. You shift out to deal with a die roll, do the math, figure out what that means, and then come back to, you know, character or player. Um, so what is the experience? How much shifting of from out of character is there? I would say my my experience, so the sessions we've had, is, uh, I, I don't feel the sh shifting at all. Right. Because I'm I'm not looking at a character sheet. I'm not rolling dice. Mm. So I'm focused on the narratives that I'm receiving, the descriptions of the environment, trying to get a picture in my head of where where I am, what it's like. You know, a couple times I've asked you, so is is this building, you know, right next to us, you know, kind mm. of thing, just to confirm and then, you know, go forward. Um and I think if I had a character sheet and I was rolling dice, I would think about combat like I'm a warrior and I'm having a fight. But because I'm not doing that, I can, you know, I'm constantly remembering my character is not a warrior. He's a hunter mm. and mm. approach things differently. Derek, what are you experiencing? Are you in character more? Yeah, um, much more in character. I mean, it, it does vary. Um, mm. But I, I find that because I'm, I'm not rolling the dice, I'm not trying to prepare myself for a, a good result or a negative result. I'm just, I'm just thinking as the character. Mm. So although um, I think the prime example again was last week when uh, Killian was telling me to move towards the rock, mm. he meant in front of, I interpret that as behind because mm. I'm not going to get in the way of, of um, being out of the open here, come and shoot me with an arrow or throw a spear at me. Hmm. Only to then find that hiding behind the rock put me in the path of, I guess it was the chieftain who then put a spear to my throat. Mm -hmm. So that was that was amusing. <laughs> yeah, I, I interpreted that situation where you would 
kind of squat down behind the rocks where we could still see you <laughs> disappeared <laughs> yeah uh, the, mo the the thing that actually got me more out of character which was last week was the unstable network connection yeah. that i was having and dropping in and out and hmm. you know additional noise in the background here and there um which really doing making it difficult there but yeah um it, it was easier to get back into character you know once i got in there it's like okay yeah get back into the fight get back into that thinking about how would i be interacting and so forth i think this second session was probably the better one where you know trying to lure the invaders out try to see if we could get them to engage in combat when they wouldn't even though I try to, you know, I guess my acting, I don't have acting skills or anything like that, but, you know, you think they would do something, hmm. cowards. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's really interesting as well, because I've noticed we're all playing a different, complete, completely different way. You know, again, and the fact that you're role playing your characters, I've actually got... Um, in a way i'm encouraged to be in role with each npc as well you know and to uh to talk in character to act because i want to keep you in character and it all becomes mutually reinforcing to me and so yeah when those guys were like you know up against i don't know what they're up against really and they, they i mean you know they have their motives their mission um uh, it was kind of interesting to sort of not do what you expected really or not what a typical kind of D&D &D style game would have expected anyway. I also think that who we're up against is not classified as a monster, but it's another humanoid in that aspect. You know, they're mm. slightly less human than us, but, <laughs> you know, so they definitely would def have their motivations, et cetera, like that. Unlike, you know, your classic monsters, which are just out for death, destruction, get rid of all the things that are not like us if we can yeah yeah it's obvious they're very organized and they uh they had goals because i mean burn down the stable they had three of their number on that task and then there was six or more go to kill father paul in the church i mean so those were obviously their goals and which ones they thought were more important I mean, burn down the stable, was that a distraction or was it important for a different reason? But why was killing Father Paul twice as important? They sent twice as many crew to that uh, to accomplish that task. And how do they know where to go? That's the part that really yeah, bothers me more. How do they know where to go at the time? Yeah. Oh, they... They knew exactly where they were going. That's for certain. Okay, so uh, thanks for that, guys. I, I, I mean, we're obviously having a good time together. That's the thing. I guess I want everybody who's listening to this to know is that you know we are having a good time. Um, I'm finding it much easier to um, uh, run than I expected. Let's put it that way. Um, I do want to tweak some things. That's what I want to talk about next. But I, you know, and I, and I guess from your your what you're saying and what I'm hearing here is a sort of a, you know, we've got some interesting characters. We're enjoying our characters. We're enjoying the situation and it's nice to be not bothered by, you know, mechanical things and, and all the rest of that. I think to, just to kind of summarize it is that when you join, when you start a campaign, 
and you join your characters together. It takes a while for the group to kind of gel and for you to feel like you're playing your character in a world, you know, setting. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it takes four or five sessions before you're really comfortable. I think Mm -hmm. doing it this way, we had the first session where we talked about the setting and what we might want to do. And then we had two weeks to come up with character ideas and discuss them back and forth and then make the character go through the character creation process. By the time we got to the first session, it felt more like we were, you know, three or four sessions in Mm. and, and, you know, settled, settled in much quicker Mm. to, being comfortable in the setting and having a feel for what's going on in the setting and where your character fits. Here's some thoughts about if I was going to do character creation all over again. Um, I think I take Jeff's point of being really specific about the process that we're going to have. So come up with a bit of an, an outline idea, concept, you know, maybe a hundred words or something. And then we're going to be playing through the early part of your character's life. There's going to be a series of um, complicating events Uh, and some moral choices to go through but here's what i'd like to do differently i would like to set those up as mini role-played scenes um i think i would you know what we did is i kind of said this is a scene here are some options you know what do you do i think i would i would much prefer to sort of go a stage deeper and say right uh, i don't know a boy in you know a boy in the yard is kind of bullying one of the other young lads you're seeing this going on there's a big crowd of boys around that you know that person they're bullying what do you do and then role play the scene you know and i think i don't know what you think but i for me i think that might be uh richer even richer maybe i felt like that situation was was pretty role playing you know mm-hmm. in a play by post and we did it you know on in mm. text on discord but i felt like it was very much a role played uh situation because we had some back and forth about Mm -hmm. what my intentions were and why I was doing it and things like that Mm. outside of you know just saying this is what my character does but we we did well why what's your intention what do you want you know Mm. how how are with you know what's your attitude pushing forward through this situation I felt like it was role-playing okay so what we did was was rich enough for you is what you're saying it was excellent i thought mm. i mean maybe this way maybe your suggestion would be better i don't know mm. <laughs> to try it a bunch of times to see no it's an interesting thing like because you're saying like we, we did talk a lot about intention i think if you're in character then the gm sort of intruding and going asking you to pop out into out of that in a way and kind of ask you so what's the intention here what are you thinking about if we were in when we first did it sort of hovering a little bit the character you were there you were trying to create this character but we were discovering the character if you know what i mean and we were mm-hmm. you know, we were asking about the reasons the back and forth there was about establishing the kind of person we're talking about here um and maybe there's there's a lot in that well in that, that specific situation you would ask me well how far are you willing to go i was like if I get punched out or, you know, beat up, I do whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, we were able to, to really, you know, flesh out the situation. Mm. And I've played a couple of play by post games before, and I find it much easier to be uh, in character and descriptive in a play by post game because it's not impromptu. It's not improvisational. I have time to think mm. about it and kind of, the act of writing out what I'm doing kind of clarifies what I'm thinking and feeling in the moment mm. for me. 
Jeff, you were sort of signaling there. Go on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, play-by-post, I mean, you know I'm a proponent of that. Yeah. And that's probably the most – you can get so rich in how you describe things. Mm. And, you know, for amateur writers, I, I think as many of us might describe ourselves to be, you know, you can really put yourself into a character's mindset at that mm. point. Um it's a lot more fun when you're trying to do that with two or three people at the same time mm. in there and try to play off of each other. Mm. Um, actually play each of your characters off the other ones without it being mm. too cheesy or cheap or something like that. Mm. But yeah, when you when you have lots of time, it's a lot easier to get into that. And I think the other thing your background process does is help provide certain motivations for a character mm -hmm. which i think is another big thing that is missing in many times in role-playing games is like you know why is this character doing whatever mm. you know you know we in this instance here you know it's pretty simple all three of us were the ones that happened to be at the fort saw this attack and we were given the motivation by the commander of the fort go out and investigate mm -hmm. You know, but did we have to do it? You know, at least one of us had to. Hmm. The other ones, well, that's up to them. You know, but what was their background motivation? I think their backgrounds led them to saying, "Yeah, this would be something we I would be wanting to do." Hmm. Yeah, I have to say that specific situation would not have been created without those three characters. Um, you know, I mean, like I'm from my point of view, I'm looking at the characters and their goals and their motivations and generally what they where they've come from, and I'm thinking, what sort of situation might they rise to? You know, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, okay, mm -hmm. great stuff. Um, I think that's kind of um, enough to talk about on that front for now. Thank you very much, um, Derek, Jeff, and Bob. And that's it for this week. Big thank you once again for showing up and listening. Roleplay Rescue is supported and funded by the generous contributions of patrons, and I want to thank every single one of them. Your generosity keeps me going. Thank you. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can join the Patreon for $1 at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. All the contact details for the podcast are in the show notes. Finally, I'd like to say another big thank you to John from Tale of the Manticore for the theme music. And that, as they say, is a wrap. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next time. Game on.